Well, we're going to gather around the Word now, and, um, and then we're going to continue in our worship. We'll gather around communion together. But uh, it's been a great year, eh? Like a weird year, but a great year. Um, we, we, we've just finished our series on James. Who, who enjoyed that? And so um, we won't be starting a new series now because, well, there's only a couple more weeks. So, um, But today I just wanted to just share a message uh, from Romans 4 and 5. And normally we'd have someone come up and read the passage, but I'm, I'm just going to read it this morning. Uh, but you can follow along with me. Uh, and we're going to start in verse uh, 18 of chapter 4. And we're going to go through to verse 5 of uh, chapter 5. It says this, Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words that was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Therefore, remember last week, whenever there's a therefore, we have to ask what is the therefore therefore. It's carry, he's carrying on the same thought. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but, all, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Let me pray. Why don't we stand? I think we should stand to pray this morning. It's all right. We're a bit up and down this morning, but that's okay. Yeah, why don't you just, uh, let's just put our hands out like this this morning. Pretend like you're about to receive a gift. This just reminds us that our job is to receive, not achieve. Yeah, yeah Father, we just thank you for your presence here this morning. Father, we thank you that out of the, the busyness of life, we are able to come, stop, rest, pause, to worship, to celebrate who you are. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you have done. Father, we thank you for your grace, your limitless grace. We thank you for your love that is unending, for your love that has been poured into our hearts through your spirit. 
We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are with us. Right now in this moment, we, we pray that you would lead us into truth, that truth would transform us, change us into who you are, Jesus. Yeah, we thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Great. Right, just a reminder that uh, we will, you can ask some questions. We'll have questions this morning. You can text them through to the number that will magically appear on the screen. Um, many years ago in the 1950s, there was a guy who, who did some experiments on rats. Um, and uh, if you like rats, you, you might not like the experiment, but it's worth sharing. Uh, I'm not for animal cruelty, by the way, but I'm just going to share. All right. <laughs> um, so this guy called, uh, what was his name? Kurt, Kurt Richter did some experiments on, on rats. And uh, what, what he did is he got a whole lot of rats and then he put them in water uh, to see how long they would swim for. And he, he put a whole lot of rats in, about 30 rats into some water, and they swam uh, for a number of minutes, around sort of 30, 40 minutes, uh, before they eventually gave up and actually drowned, uh, which is quite sad for the rats. Um, but does um, anyone like rats, by the way? A few people? Okay. Yeah, we had a big river rat by our house the other day. It was huge. Um, Anyway, so, so this guy, he's doing this experiment with the rats, and he's discovered that after about 30 to 40 minutes, they, they actually just give up and, and drown. Uh, then he, d he got some more rats, and what he did is he, just before they would give up, he pulled them out and gave them a, a minute or two to rest and then put them back into the water. And what he discovered is that the rats then swam for days that the rats actually swam for days before finally giving up. And it sounds pretty horrible, I know. But what he discovered is that, that after, he, after the elimination of hopelessness, the rats didn't give up. And so what he discovered is that rats, like us, need hope. So true, isn't it? We, we actually need to live in hope, hope for a future and I, I would like to suggest this morning that as the church in a city, we are responsible for the temperature of hope in our city. I think if you stuck a, a thermometer into the heart of the church, we should get a fair idea of the kind of hope that is going on in a city. See, our, our vision statement is to go and saturate the valley in the love and hope of Jesus, one transformed life at a time. This is, this is why we exist. In 1 Peter 1, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, hope is the currency with which we deal. The, the church deals in the currency of hope. We, we have been given new birth into a living hope. We are now dealers in hope. You know, it's kind of like... As believers, if we were drug dealers, you know, uh, we would be dealing drugs, but who knows, we're not drug dealers. We are hope dealers. We are the people who go into our city dealing in hope. We have a living hope that is based on a living person, and his name is Jesus. 
See, hope means this. It means to anticipate with pleasure. It's the eager anticipation of good. It's the ability to look beyond current circumstances and see an outcome of good. And the foundation of this hope is not on our ability or not on our positive outlook on life, but it's actually on the firm foundation of a person called Jesus. That is where our living hope finds its foundation. See, we just read this passage, and when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding not to live on the basis of of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. And Paul writes further in in the book, in chapter 15, he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. We are people who are called to abound in hope. Hope is the currency of the kingdom. I heard someone once say that, that, uh, that belief is the vehicle, faith is the fuel, and hope is the spark. Um, I, I think it may be a different way of thinking about this is that love is the vehicle, faith is the fuel, and hope is the spark. If our city needs love, we, we have this vision statement that says we want to saturate the city in the love of God and the love of Jesus. Come on, we, we have to be people that have hope. We have to be people that have hope. And, and we need to be a people who bring some faith, who bring some fuel uh, to this. And, and the spark of hope is what will get this vehicle moving. Come on, if you have ever worked on an engine, or, or maybe I've got some uh, dirt bikes at home, and a couple of weeks ago, a couple of them weren't working, um, the, you know, the kids' ones, and uh, the first thing that you do if you've ever worked on an engine and it's not working is you've got two questions, does it have spark and does it have fuel? They're the first things that you ask, those are normally the first things that fail, and, and every engine needs spark and it needs fuel. And so these are the first things that we ask. And, and so the question is, you know, like if someone was to come and give it like a spiritual check on our church, on our church family, would they find spark and would they find fuel? Would they find hope? Would they find faith? Would they find love? Um, Spurgeon said this, alas, How few believers have the courage of faith. When some saint here or there does not begin to believe the facts and walk in shouting liberty, we say, perhaps secretly, he must be an especially holy consecrated man. No, he is just a poor sinner like you who is believing in the abundance of grace. In this passage this morning, it says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Yet he did not waver through disbelief in the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God was able to do what he had promised. See, the difference between belief and faith, I think it's important that we, that we understand the difference between belief, belief and faith. Um, as I... I yeah, I think sometimes when we um, think maybe about the ideas of like the prosperity gospel and things that have actually distorted what faith really is, I think it's really important that we understand what, what faith is. What is faith and what is belief? So, so they are interconnected but different. 
See, uh, the word belief is the judgment or opinion of which a person is fully, persu- fully persuaded. So Abraham was fully persuaded. He had a belief uh, in God. And, and Abraham was fully persuaded in the ability and the faithfulness of God. And faith is the action we take based on that belief. So faith is the outworking of a belief. And hope or confidence is the trust that is based on knowledge or past experience. So faith is like a, a believing loyalty. It's, it's an allegiance to Jesus that, that is connected to him. It's not connected to our ability. Faith is not something you can create. You, you, you know, uh, sometimes I, I think maybe we have this idea that, that faith is something that, that we have to muster up, you know, and if we would like really work hard and kind of like, we, we might be able to like create something called faith. Uh, no, faith is the action we take based on belief. So faith is believing loyalty. I, I, I believe in Jesus. I believe his ways, his will is better than mine, and so I act in loyalty to his ways and wills. See, it's, it's allegiance to the person of Jesus. Uh, but hope is the spark that the fuel of faith needs to ignite. And, and so how do we produce hope? Is that something that we produce, or uh, could we, how do we lose hope? As Proverbs talks about uh, hope being deferred makes our hearts sick. And, you know, what is that? So if the enemy gets our hope, he can destroy our faith. If we lose our hope, we lose our survival spirit. And, we, and that's when we start to delve into an apathetic, actionless faith. And so here is where the enemy attacks. He knows if he can get our hope, he can, if he can diminish our hope, our hearts will grow sick. We will lose our faith and I think this, if the enemy can take out the hope in a church, he can take out the hope in a city. Come on, we, we are the spiritual temperature of a city. We are the hope thermometer for our city. So we, we need to learn how to be guardians of hope. To be guardians of hope. See, I, I am the guardian of hope. I'm the guardian of my hope. I, I am the guardian of hope for our city. And you are the guardian of hope for our city. In Proverbs it says, Above all things, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Right, so guard your heart. Above all things, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. What is the thing that we need to guard our hearts from when it comes to hope? Cynicism. Cynicism is actually the, the opposite of hope. We must guard our hearts from cynicism. See, cynicism is the contagious heart disease that Jesus describes as a heart growing cold. Above all else, guard your heart. Uh, a woman called Hannah Brooks Olson said this, that cynicism protects you from the fear that is innate to hope. The fear that you might not get what you'd hoped for, the fear of being disappointed. Cynicism deflects both joy and disappointment equally and ensures that you are actively not chasing either. It lets in nothing and it lets out nothing. It is absolute and it is not permissive. See, I've always said that cynicism is just fear with cool sunglasses on. 
it's kind of like a cover that we create for the fear that we're feeling in our hearts. And so we are judgmental about things and we're trying to pick everything apart. And, and what we are trying to do is justify our fear by pointing out where everything else is wrong. See, cynicism is just fear with cool sunglasses on. But if we're actually to take our sunglasses off and actually look at life for what it really is through the eyes of Jesus, maybe we would live with hope instead of cynicism. See, cynicism actively works against hope. Cynicism never finds its home in a healthy heart. And the antidote is curiosity and vulnerability. It's opening our hearts to others and making a choice to believe the best in people. Let me put it like this, that belief is what's happening up here, yeah, to be, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Hope is what is happening in here, in our heart, above all else, guard your heart. And faith is the action we take based on the reality of these two. See, actionless faith is dead, but it takes, it takes being fully persuaded that Jesus is good. God is good, that he is a good father, and he intends the best for you. He intends the best for me, and he is faithful. He is trustworthy. He is true. Our faith is not based in us or our ability to work something up. Our, our faith is based in his faithfulness. You see, sometimes we, we think of things like, we look through the stories of um, the Old Testament and we, we read these stories and we think that we need to have faith like the, the people in the, old, you know, in the Old Testament stories. We need to have faith like uh, David who, who slew Goliath. But actually, when we read the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament, we see that Jesus is the greater David. And so rather than me needing faith like David so I can kill Goliath, actually what we need is faith in Jesus because he is the greater David. This is not about our ability to work up something called faith. It's about his faithfulness. Timothy Keller um, said this. He said, you and I are unavoidably Sorry, uh, you and I are unavoidable and irreducibly hope-based creatures. We are controlled how we live now by our understanding of the ultimate future state. Christian hope has to do with the ultimate future state, not the immediate. Um, Martin Luther King said that we must accept finite disappointment without losing infinite hope. We must learn to accept finite disappointment without losing infinite hope. And so how does hope rise in us? How do we build this muscle called hope? Um, and so in Romans 5, we get this picture that, that Paul was trying to describe for us. And he, and he says, says this, that, that not only that, but also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces per perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. So did you see it there? Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. So, so here's the key. I want you to get this this morning. Is that we know that, that what the enemy intends for harm, God is able to use for good. 
Yeah, so whatever the enemy intends for harm, that God is able to use for good. So, so listen to this. The, the very thing that destroys hope is the very thing that God uses to produce hope. All right? We, yeah, this is good, yeah? See, when the enemy thought he had Jesus hanging on the cross, he thought he had won. But my Bible tells me that, that on the cross, Jesus made a public spectacle of the enemy. Yeah? And so what the enemy thought would bring harm, actually God was able to turn around and use for good. And so the very thing that the enemy wants to do in you that would reduce hope is actually the very thing that God says, no, no, this will produce hope. Come on, like this is good stuff, yeah? But here's the key. It all depends on what, what condition the soil is that we go through the suffering in. Um. Martin Luther said this, whatever virtues, I'm using lots of reformer quotes today, eh? that's pretty unusual for me, <laughs> I'm normally at the other end of the spectrum, anyway, uh, whatever virtues tribulation finds in us, it develops more fully, alright, listen to this, yeah, whatever virtues tribulation finds us in, it develops more fully, if anyone is carnal, weak, blind, wicked, erasable, haughty, and so forth, tribulation will make him more carnal, weak, blind, wicked, and irritable. On the other hand, if one is spiritual, strong, wise, pious, gentle, and humble, he will become more spiritual, powerful, wise, pious, gentle, and humble. So the condition of our hearts is actually really important. Who knows that, that suffering, it, it can take us in two directions. But the very thing that the enemy intends for bad, God can use for good. See, we, I, I really think we have to create a better theology for suffering. That actually suffering is actually an important part of Christian maturity. See, people call this passage the golden chain of Christian growth and maturity. One virtue builds upon another as we grow into the pattern and likeness of Jesus. passage goes on and says, and hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. See, God's love isn't given to us in a trickle. It's not a little bit here, a little bit there. It's poured into our hearts. See, sometimes we live as if it's only a trickle. But God wants us to know that his love is a never-ending outpouring of his goodness. Well, it's the river that never stops. As we were praying this morning before the service, Annette, uh, come to prayer meeting, you, Annette pray, as Annette prays, she prophesies. She doesn't realize it, I don't think. But... <laughs> um, but as we were starting to pray, Annette started to pray about, about uh, ice being chipped at. And, she, and I, I believe what she, she was praying was that our, our hearts can become like ice hearts. And, and through, through, through the stuff of life, our hearts start to become harder and harder. And they become like ice. But actually what God wants to do in and through us is to be a river of life. 
as she prayed, she said, it's like we chip at our, at our cold, hard ice hearts, trying to get some life out of them. But actually, they just need to be exposed to the sun. See, we try, yeah, through effort and striving to try and be better Christians. And we know that we're meant to live a certain way, and so we try through effort to try and be a better person and a better person who loves and, and all of that stuff. And it's like we're trying to chip away at our heart with a pickaxe, but actually our hearts just need to be exposed to the sun. And, and here's the reality. If, if you don't have hope today, I can guarantee you that there are a lot of room, people in this room who do. See, sometimes we feel like our relationship with God is about me and him. But sometimes when I get near Sarah, I get near to Jesus. And the Jesus in her is like coming close to the sun. And my heart starts to get melted. But here's what the enemy wants us to do. In suffering, he wants us to get isolated. Isolated. Yeah, that's right. Good one. Isolated. He, he wants us to retreat back into ourselves and he puts a pickaxe in our hands and says, now you chip away at it. You got yourself in this mess, you need to get yourself out. No, no, no. In the kingdom, we actually get our hearts melted as we discover Jesus and those around us and we discover that what I am walking through now, someone else has walked through and they have hope that I don't yet have for that situation and this is what community is all about, friends. Have you ever thought about the fact that there's more Jesus on the earth right now than when he walked on the earth? Why, there's this Jesus in you, Jesus in you, Jesus in you, Jesus, yeah. There is more Jesus on the earth than when he walked. You know, I'm convinced that's you know, why he said it's gonna be much better if I go because I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit and what was just me walking around is actually gonna be you walking around, all of you together, carrying the presence of God into a lost and broken world. We are hope dealers. We are hope dealers. And if you, if you don't have hope for your situation, I just might have it. And if I don't have it, I can probably point you to someone that does. Because I, I know in this room so many stories of people who have had incredible miracles, incredible things happen. And I also know people who have faithfully walked through the suffering and the trial because faith is not based on an outcome, it's based on a person. So God's love is not a trickle, it's poured into our hearts and usually through other people. And the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. See, the love of God, listen to this, the love of God is, is like light to a blind eye until the Holy Spirit opens the eye. See, sometimes we just need our eyes to be opened to see what God is doing, that His Spirit is moving. Sometimes we get so focused on our own lives that we miss the goodness of God all around us, in people's lives around us, in our city, 
in our workplaces. Sometimes we just need to go for a walk in creation to see that he's at work, that he's good. Yeah, hey. That's why we're baptizing Amanda in the river. She loves, she loves to be out in nature. Thanks for getting me in the cold river today. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, let's do some questions and then I'll, I'll, I'll finish up. I answered one question. Great. Okay. Um, music team can come back up and we'll, um, we're going to... Yes. Oh, you got a question? If I can. Yeah, sure. So what was faith? Fuel. What was hope? Spark. Who knows that an engine is just a big ear pump? The ear is love. Jesus is the filter for the fuel and the filter for the ear mm. to keep the engine clean. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The ear is the love. Yeah. It's a big ear pump. Yeah, it's good. Hate is the exhaust that goes out the back. Ah, good. <laughs> good job. Totally. Totally. That's good. <laughs> Smells like it too. All right. All right, let me, just, um, let me just finish with a final sort of thought here, um, and then we'll gather around communion. I, I, think, I think that hope is kind of like the childlike attribute that God loves. It, it's, it's very child, hope is very childlike. And in Matthew 18, verse 3, it says, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. God is looking for children, a childlike humility, a childlike hope. Uh, G.K. Chesterton has this great quote, and I'll, I'll read it. You need, need to just, maybe just close your eyes and listen. He said this, because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the growing up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For growing up people are not strong enough to exalt in monotony, but perhaps God is strong enough to exalt in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. So the relationship between faith and hope could be described in the joy that a child feels when his father, when his dad tells him that they're, that they're going to go somewhere where he's excited, you know, a, a they're going to go to an amusement park. For Israel, it would be, my son Israel would be, we're going to the go-karts. Uh, we're going go-karting. He'd be like over the moon about that. And, and so for, for Israel, he, he believes that he will go to the go-karts based on my word. If I say, Israel, we're going to go to the go-karts, 
he, he, has, he has no doubt that what I said is going to happen. We're, we're going to go to the go-karts. And, and so, so for Israel, he, he believes that, and it's based on my word. That is, that's belief. And, and at the same time, that, that belief within Israel, within a child, it actually kindles joy for him. The excitement, the anticipation that we are going go-karting, and he's going go-karting with his dad. This is his favorite thing to do, and that is hope. See, the child's natural trust in his father's promise is belief, it's faith, it's, and the child's squeal of delight and jumping is the expression of hope. And we are called to be dealers in this kind of childlike eager anticipation of good, not just for us, but for those around us. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you are struggling with hope, steal it. (laughs) Go and get it from someone else. Find out someone else's story. Here with I've struggled and and walked in faith with Jesus through the trial and steal a bit of hope. Let it spark you again. Mm-hmm. All right, we're gonna, we're gonna gather around communion. Um, in Matthew 26, it says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he gave, had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, taking, saying, take and eat, this is my body. See, living in hope is less about feeling something and more about demonstrating something. It's about demonstrating the reality that Jesus made a new way, a new reality possible as he brought the kingdom of God to earth. And we are invited into that. We can actually live that new way because we are not made from the past as much as Jesus is making us from the future. Yeah? We are not living from the past as much as we are living for the future because Jesus is actually making us into new creations. N.T. Wright put it like this. I'll finish with this last quote. He said, we break the bread to share in the body of Christ. We do it in remembrance of him. We become for a moment the disciples sitting around the table at the last supper. Yet if we stop there, We've only said the half of it. To make any headway in understanding communion, we must see it as the arrival of God's future in the present, not just the extension of God's past or of Jesus' past into the present. We do not simply remember a long since dead Jesus. We celebrate the presence of the living Lord and he lives through the resurrection precisely as the one who has gone on ahead into the new creation the transformed new world as the one who is himself its prototype. The Jesus who gives himself as food and drink is himself the beginning of God's new world. At communion, we are like the children of Israel in the wilderness, tasting the fruit plucked from the promised land. It is the future coming to meet us in the present. Let's pray. When we stand this morning. Father, we just thank you that our hope is not based 
in our experiences of the past. But Father, we are, we are future-looking people because we've been called into a new kingdom, a new way of living, a new way of thinking, a new way of acting in our world. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are, you are there already and you meet us in the present and call us into this future. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are with us now. And we thank you that through you, Holy Spirit, God's love has been poured into our hearts. Father, we thank you that your love is not a trickle. We, we thank you, Father, that your love is not limited, it's not, it's not quenched, it's not turned off, it's not turned away. But Father, your love is always pouring into us. And I, I thank you, Father, that, that our, our way into this love is not through achievement, it's not through striving, it's not through some sort of mental ascent, but Father, it's just laying low. Father, that, that all you require of us is nothing just to bring ourselves wherever we're at in our brokenness, just to come. We sit before you, we sit at your feet with a heart of gratitude. We thank you, Father, that you pour your love in. Father, we pray that we would be a people of hope in our city. Father, as we look around at our world, we thank you that we are not fearful of the future, but rather we're full of hope as your kingdom is breaking in. Yeah, we thank you, God.